Isn't it good to be part of this family of churches? And just to see some of the things um, that, that's been happening over, over the last year. 700 churches, 60 nations. Wasn't it great to see camels up there? Who would have thought that? Talking about churches um, in New Frontiers and there's camels there and things like that. It's just great to see right around, right around the nations what God is doing. And that the £20,000 you gave last year made a difference. It was being spent in India and in Kenya and Australia and Japan and the States. In two weeks' time, we've got another, um, we're taking another offering for New Frontiers. It's, it will be, uh, we'll take it to the Brighton Conference, the Leadership Conference in Brighton at the start of July. I'm um, just asking you, just seek, pray to God how much you should give, how much we should take as a church to continue all that God um, is doing around the nations. It's, it's brilliant, absolutely great to be a part of this family of churches. It's good to know that God's got an agenda for the nations, isn't it? It's good to know God's got plans for people, just like us. may look a little different to us, but just like us. It's good to know, isn't it, that God's got plans for Hastings. I think it's good that God's got plans for Hastings. Do you know God's got plans for you? He has. You know that God's got plans for this church? I wonder when Terry Virgo, who um, heads up New Frontiers, it started about 35 years ago, I wonder when he was thinking and praying and just looking to follow God 35 years ago, when he was much younger than he was at the very end of that DVD there. I wondered what what he dreamt might happen. I wonder what was in his heart. I wonder what he thought might be possible. Do you think he dreamt 60 nations, 700 churches? Was it upwards of 100,000 people? Do you know you're part of a family of churches? 100,000 people worshipping God today. It's amazing, isn't it? Do you think he had that in his heart? I wonder what plans God's got for us. When Don Smith, who started the church 35 years ago, five or six people in a basement flat, what do you reckon he, he thought might, it might look like in 30 years? Did he imagine we'd have the biggest warehouse-type place in Hastings? Did he think that there would be anything between three, 400 people worshipping God every Sunday here? Did he think that it would be fairly normal for people to be responding to the gospel like someone did yesterday at Alpha? I just wondered if he thought he was thinking that way. I wonder what's God put in your heart for the future? Because you see, the thing is, we've not arrived. There's, There's much more to do. Jesus said that the harvest fields are ready, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, that we'd send workers into the harvest field. I wonder, in 35 years, what we'll look like. Some of us may be a little greyer, but I wonder what God will have done. I wonder how many lives will have been transformed by the power of the gospel. I wonder how many broken bodies will have been healed. I wonder how many families or streets God may have touched and transformed. Because God loves to work through people. God loves to change lives. God, do you know God's got bigger plans for us than we have? 
God's got more for us than we imagine. Right, 35 years ago, this doesn't surprise God. We worship the living God, the holy God, the glorious God. And it's, it's our privilege, it's our purpose to be caught up with what God is doing, with what God is about. The title for this morning, and it's, um, it's like a vision Sunday. I've not done one of these before, so we'll have to see how it goes. But I think how it works is God has placed things in our hearts as a leadership, and I know he's placed some things in your hearts as well. And my plan is to share what God has placed in our heart because it's going to set the direction of where we're going for the next couple of years. So it's quite an important Sunday for us, really. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm a bit nervous, but I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to this evening as well. Because I wonder what God wants to do with us this evening. I think people are going to be healed this evening as they come. That's my expectation. That God wants to touch bodies and heal bodies. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I thank you we worship the holy um, forever God who has always been there and always will be. The eternal one, the glorious one. I thank you, Lord, that we worship the one who is uh, seated in front. I thank you that we worship the one who builds churches, who transforms lives, who sets people ablaze for him. I thank you, Lord, you're in the business of changing families around and turning broken lives into lives that reflect your glory and for the praise of your glory. Lord, I thank you, that's your business. I thank you, Lord God, that you are calling us. You have for the last 30 years and you continue to in the future. Lord, you're calling us to follow you and make disciples. That is our privilege, Lord. I thank you. We're touching the nations. I thank you you're sending us out. I thank you, Lord. We have people who we love dearly in the south of France. I thank you for that. I thank you we've got people in Berlin, in the Middle East, Lord God, in New Zealand, in Spain, in the States, Lord, I thank you. That just come from us. But I thank you for replicating it time and time and time again. Oh, Lord, I thank you. You're a big God. And you've got big purposes for your church. Amen. The plan this morning is to set out a biblical foundation for what we are about to adventure into. And then over the next couple of weeks to fill in the detail. Um, there's, a, there's a handout in, in your update that is to assist you, um, as, you look, as I look to communicate um, well. There's some gaps. Normally we wouldn't leave gaps, but this time we've left some gaps. So you can fill in the missing words. We'll mark them at the end to check you get it right. What is the unchanging, eternal purpose of God's people? Why are we here? What's, what's, our, what's the eternal purpose? It says in Habakkuk 2.14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. When you think about God's glory, what do you think about? Do you think about sort of a, a golden misty haze? 
If you've, got, if you've ever seen a children's uh, Bible and they try and draw a picture of heaven or God's glory descending, it's often golden in colour. You know, this golden haze that is descending. Is that what it means? That right around the world there'll be this golden haze? I don't think it quite means that. Let, let's look at these verses here. The earth, not, not dirt on the ground, the earth is in the globe, will be filled with the knowledge of God's glory as the waters cover the sea. Dave Devonish says this, it means that all over the world there will be multitudes of people living for the praise of God's glory. So when it says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God's glory as the waters cover the sea, what it's really talking about is that right around the world there will be transformed lives who are living for the praise of God's glory. Lives like ours, right around the globe, who have been transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. That message that you first received, that you it might only have been a seed, you might not have understood everything you were getting involved with, but at that point where you said, yes, Lord Jesus, I am living for you, I am following you. That seed that has transformed and changed your life has been replicated, if you look around, probably what, 300 times in this auditorium. But actually, look at that. What was it? This is just New Frontiers as well. What? 700 churches, 60 nations, 100,000 believers. But, but just a little bit. Just a little bit of all that God has got for us. Many hundreds and thousands of lives transformed. And this statement is like a statement of intent by God. This is what I'm up to. This is where I'm going. This is what I am about. When these words were said by Habakkuk, Israel was not in a good position. It wasn't in a good place. It wasn't in a time of prosperity. It was in a time um, of defeat and decline. And yet God sort of says, no, this is what I'm about. I'm going to be glorified in the nations. My name will be lifted higher than every other name. The nations will come to know that I am the Lord of Lords and I am the King of Kings. God's glory and worshipping his name is to be our number one occupation. Don't you agree? Glorifying him, giving him our best, that's to be our number one occupation, both as individuals and as a church. And so when David Stroud said um, on that DVD, he said, we're not about converts, we're about disciple making. That's exactly right. That's what we're about. Because transformed lives give glory to God. This is communicated right through the Bible. It's an, it, it comes from the very beginning to the very end. God has a heart for the nations. We see it in promises given to Abraham, in other prophetic stuff. It's about, God's got a heart for the nations, not just a group of people, but, but it's broad. It's broad. In the New Testament, Jesus starts to earth it down for us. He starts to, as it were, uh, flesh it out a little bit. What does it mean for us? What does it mean for the church? And in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and all the Bible verses will come up behind me, so if you uh, struggle to keep up, don't worry. It says this. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is saying, look, I'm in charge. I am lacking nothing. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, in a sense, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. This is an important thing I'm going to tell you. And these were some of the last words that Jesus spoke. And who did he speak them to? Twelve disciples, the start of the church. The start of the church says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptising them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. In this passage we see a breadth and we see a depth. We see a breadth because Jesus says, I want disciples from every nation, from every people group. Every language, I I want those that glorify me. Those who come to me, whose lives are transformed. There's a breadth to it. Even nations, that that, at their their time, the disciples didn't even know they existed. You know, like the Americas and Australia and New Zealand, they wouldn't even have been aware that they were there, and yet God knew. And he says, I want believers from all nations. But can you see as well, there's a real depth there too. I want disciples. I I don't just want converts, I don't just want people that have put their hand up in the meeting but just carry on as they were before. I want those that have completely given their lives to Jesus Christ. Those who have been baptised, those who are well taught, reflecting Christ to those they meet, this brings glory to Jesus Christ. Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20 I think are important words. They shape who we are as a church. They should have impact on how we live our lives. Other words from the, well, all the Bible should shape us, shouldn't it? I've got to be careful. I could uh, communicate what I'm not trying to communicate. Matthew 28, I think, is very, very important. But I think if you read Luke 10, verse 27, there's some more important words here. A man came up to Jesus and said, look, what's top of your agenda? What's top of God's agenda? What's important to him? If I'm going to give myself to something, what is important? And he says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Sorry. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbour as yourself. Can you see a a quality to it, a depth to it? Jesus is saying, you're you're to love God. You're to give God your best. You're to give God your emotional energy. You're to give him your intellectual ability. You're to give him your physical strength. You're, it's, it's, it's not just a, a small commitment, it's all-encompassing. This is how we're to love God. But then he goes on to say, and you're to love your neighbour as yourself. Do any of you find it easier to love God than you do to love difficult people that you may come in contact with? No, you're much holier than I am, I'm sure. But, but again, Jesus earths it down. He doesn't know, love your neighbour as yourself. You, when, when Jesus is trying to, or when Jesus is explaining this command, he uses the parable of the Good Samaritan. He tells the story of a man who goes on a journey. While he's on this journey, he gets robbed, he gets beaten up and he gets left for dead. People that are from his nation, his race just like him, walk past and they see him lying on the floor and they just cross over and say, I'm not going near him, that might happen to me, I'm going to leave him. But there's a guy that comes along the road from a different nation. These nations don't even like each other. They have no respect for each other. There's, it's, what actually, this guy who's walking along the road, the nation he's from is looked down upon from the nation of this guy that's beaten up. So naturally there isn't anything there, but he stops I was going to say stops and get out, gets out of his car, but I don't think he does. I think that's a paraphrase of the story. He stops, 
He binds up his wounds. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to the nearest inn and he says, look after this man, I'll cover the costs. And Jesus says, this man is his neighbour. You're to love him just like you love yourself. And so this love that's being spoken about here isn't just your friends. We're not just to love our friends. We're actually to love those that we wouldn't naturally like. Those we wouldn't naturally feel comfortable with. Going beyond. It's, it's, a, it's a love that's stronger than that. It's a love that pushes through barriers. It's a love that takes ground. It's a love that speaks to the world and says, wow, there's something different about you. Because your natural prejudices, you put them to one side because, because the love God has for us. Can you see that? And I think these two verses, these two passages, Matthew 28, making disciples and loving God with all our hearts, I think they're verses, they, they sum up, as it were, many verses in the Bible and they can be used to define who we are as a church, what we're about as a church. What should we be up to? What should we look like? I've got a diagram for you. And if you look at your notes, you've actually got some words missing, so this is where you could do a bit of work as well. I think from these passages you can, get, you can pull out three main purposes for us as a church. Now, it's important that the reason I'm labouring these things that I know are very familiar to many of you is because as I go on and we look at our application, I want you to have heard that these things are important to us as a church. It's important you understand this first half as we look to apply the things a little bit later on. Isn't that a nice blue triangle? Do you like it? Did we pick the right colour? Yeah? Good. I'm pleased about that. From these verses, I reckon you can get sort of three main uh, points. I think there is an up. There is an up focus to us as individuals and as a church devoted to God, giving our best to Him. There is an in commitment for us as a church to one another, having lives that reflect God's uh, goodness and love honouring one another, serving one another, being committed to one another, and yet there is a clear outward focus as well, reaching those who do not yet know Christ. And all three of those are important. All three of those are clearly described and uh, uh, mentioned in the Bible. As I was preparing this, I started thinking about my life. And so I thinking, how does my life reflect on that? How am I doing there? So with worshipping God, how am I doing I think I'm doing fairly well. Do you know what I mean? I give good time to worshipping him and seeking him. I'm looking to live in a way that glorifies God. Yeah, I give, I give emotional energy to it. I, I give time to it. I use my thought. Yes, I commit myself to worshipping God. And I want you to ask this question as we're going through. How are you doing? What about in? What about commitment to one another? Serving one another? Reflecting, um, reflecting Christ to one another? How are, we, how are we doing? How am I doing? I think I'm doing okay. I'm sure I could do a bit better by the grace of God. But yeah, I think, I think that focus, I think I'm doing all right. What about for me when it comes to reaching out? Well, the problem is, you see, for me particularly, is in my workplace, most of the people I work with are saved. There is, there is one or two I question. But, but generally, I think they're, they're not too far away anyway. You know, only a stepping stone away from the gospel. How am I doing with that last one? I struggle with that one. You see, I can do the first two fairly naturally. When I try and do the last one, reaching out, it's awkward because I'm talking to people who don't believe the same core things that I believe. 
And they behave maybe slightly differently to how I would behave and what I feel comfortable with often. And sometimes they make jokes because I believe in God. And of course there isn't a God. I, I just find this one the hardest one. I don't know how the rest of you find it. It might just be me. But I would imagine there's a good number of us here who would probably say, Mark's out of ten for the first two. Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Last one, oh, oh, don't ask me, that's hardest. It's not that we do nothing. It's not that we don't have a desire to do anything. It's just we find that the hardest one to do. And I feel because of that, we need to wait some aspects of church life to keep us biblical. I think we need to bring mission as a particular focus to some aspects of church life because it's the hardest one to do. And often it's the case it's the one we don't do. If any of you have ever been involved in organising small groups and cell groups, what is the thing that is the least likely to happen in your small group meeting? Do you welcome each other? Are you friendly and warm? Probably. Have a good time of worship? Well, sometimes it can be a bit ropey if you've seen the people singing in my group. But we give it a go. We give it a go. What about opening the Bible up? And that? Yeah, what, what about the witness? Well, we sort of try the witness. We generally pray for each other a bit or we might... Oh, yeah, it's the hardest one. We've sort of run out of time. It's that, that two-minute bit at the end. And I think that's reflective often of our lives as well. We need to make space in church life. We need to give opportunity and provide time to, and if I can say this in the right way, to remain biblical. Because mission has a strong emphasis in the Bible. Going out, telling people about Jesus, there's a lot of that going on in the Bible. Let me, uh, let me illustrate, or let me use a, uh, a verse to... Actually, if you turn the diagram on its side for me, please, Andrew. Excellent. That sort of uh, is communicating what I've just said. I feel we need to shift an emphasis because the outward th- uh, m- uh, momentum, the outreach, the mission focus is the thing that can often fall out of church life. Now, please hear me here. Hear what I was saying earlier on. It's not that the other things aren't important. Yes, they are. Very, very important. But I think because of how, how sometimes we're wired, how we, how we set priorities, we need to make some shifts and changes to help us reach out better. In Acts 8 verse 4, um, it says this, Those who had been scattered preached the word of God wherever they went. It's a funny little verse, and you may wonder, why on earth, Paul, have you put that in there? This is on the back of a massive persecution that the church in Jerusalem had just encountered. And it was such a bad persecution of the church, he says that everyone scattered except for the 12 leaders of the church who sort of stayed put. But what did they do when they were scattered? What is the thing that the writer, Luke, in the book of Acts, what is the thing he mentions they did as they were scattered They preached the word wherever they went. They preached the word that had got them into trouble in Jerusalem wherever they went. They they took it out with them. I'm told that when you're under pressure, it reveals what's really inside. I I personally don't agree with that. Do you know what I mean? You, You can sort of sometimes feel, oh dear, 
that's not very nice, I'm under pressure now, what's coming out is... It's interesting, they were under great pressure, what came out? I'm talking about Jesus. I'm just talking the good news, the grace of God, I'm communicating it to all the people I come in contact with. First town I come to, I'm running away because of a persecution, I start talking about Jesus. They preached the word of God wherever they went. Dave Devonish says this, This then is why the church is in the world. It is here for mission. A mission to bring about the rule of God in the world. To start communities of God's people from all backgrounds, in every people group. To serve the world through social action and in their everyday employment. And to extend this to every people group on earth. Evangelism and mission are not additional functions of the church in which only the most keen and enthusiastic members become involved they are the whole raison d'etre for the church's existence. What on earth is the church for? It exists for mission. What is mission for? Mission exists to bring glory to God. They're provoking words, aren't they? I find them provoking. I was speaking to a friend of mine a little while ago. Uh, well, many of you will be familiar with him, Don Smith. Saying friend, yeah, no, that, that would be too. And sometimes he just puts in throwaway lines. You wonder where he's going. You know, where are you off to with this, Don? And he just said to me, he said, and we weren't even talking about this. It's very odd. You know, talking about something completely different. And he says to me, he said to me. When churches, I can't do his voice, so I should get Matt or someone to do it, but when churches start, everyone is focused outwardly. That's what they do. They're about growing, they're about gathering more people in, they're about attracting people in. So a lot of the church resource is focused out. He says, the bigger you get, the more of your resource is focused on maintaining the structure, of maintaining the church, of running ministries of keeping things ticking along. So if you're not careful, in the end, what started as very outward, increasingly comes on maintaining things as they are, maybe improving ministries, serving the church, serving one another, and you can lose that outward focus that was very, very strong at the start. Now, I don't think we've lost that focus, I just feel we haven't got enough of it. We need to reprioritise to bring more of our resource to outward focus. You know those three points on the triangle? Worshipping God, committed to one another, reaching out. I was thinking, when we're in heaven, which of those will we be doing? Anyone want to shout something out? Yeah, we'll be worshipping God. And we're going to be with each other, aren't we? Sorry to, sorry to let you know that, if any of you thought that would not be the case. But if you've got a faith in Christ, we're all going to heaven together. But, It'd be too late for the last one. Dave Demnish says the church exists for mission. Mission exists to bring glory to God right around the world. That's why men and women, centuries past, have gone to the nations to tell people about Jesus. Why? To bring glory to God. And it should be no different here in Hastings. 400 people, maybe with the kids here, I wonder how many are shopping at the moment in the town centre. Nothing wrong with shopping. 
boot fairs, football tournaments, they know Christ. There's lots to be done. I feel we've got a clear biblical mandate. I think the Bible is very clear, it's explicit, mission is very important. I think we've got the words of some experienced church builders and uh, writers and things ringing in our ears. We've got prophetic encouragement as well. Over the last few months and as long ago as February last year, do you remember Guy Miller coming and being with us? And he brought a substantial prophecy to us, which I think as a leadership team we looked at each other and thought, what do we do with this? And I'll unpack more of it over the next few weeks. But one of the phrases he says is, you need to, you're going to be reorganising your diaries around the lost. You're going to be reorganising your diaries around the lost. God has been speaking to us over a season. So what does this mean for us? What, I suppose, what everyone really wants to know is, well, what, what's the implications? Because, well, I can sort of talk, do all this talking, can't I? Then we go home and have our Sunday lunch and we carry on as we were before. What, what's, it, what's it mean for us? Well, the first thing won't be, uh, isn't a big change, but I want to re-emphasise it as important, because I think it's important that I don't just talk about things we're looking to change, but things that are important and we're just looking to build upon. Sunday mornings. Do you know that God meets people when they gather here on Sunday mornings? Ooh. Yeah. Do you know that? People will have been impacted by the worship this morning. I know many of you would have been. It's not uncommon for people who are visiting us to say, wow, and they maybe don't even know what it is, but they just say, wow, I just felt so emotional in the worship. Something was happening inside. They may not term it in that God was working in them, but he was. Sunday mornings are often a gathering opportunity. If people are looking to join the church or find more out about Christ, Sunday mornings is often a place they come early on that journey. It's it's important. It's where we look to preach the word of God with um, vigour and with enthusiasm and under the authority of scripture in a way that changes lives. We're looking for people to encounter God in the worship. We're looking to see gifts expressed under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're looking to communicate things in a way that visitors can understand. We don't want everything wrapped around visitors, but we do want it to be understandable. We want it to be, they they may not even like it, but we want them to know what's going on and be able to comprehend it. Sunday mornings are very important to us. They are large celebration meetings where we encounter God in energetic contemporary praise and worship. That's our style. That's who we are where his presence and gifts are tangibly evident, where the Bible is preached in an accessible and uncompromising way where visitors can access what's happening. It's when the church gathers, there is power when we gather together. When we gather with other churches from the town tonight, there will be power. God will be here. God has blessed us, hasn't he? God's blessed us with a great facility. Over the summer, we're looking to improve this facility. And again, I'll share more about that over the coming weeks. But we're going to build a petition through here and builders will be in in August. In the last um, week of July, um, Simon, where's Simon hiding? He may hide on the back of what I'm going to say. So you can go and see Simon if it doesn't happen. No, it will happen. 
We will be turning the meeting through 90 degrees. So last week of July, we will be facing that way. PA will be moved, there will be a new stage, then builders come in, we build a petition and we're taking everything out. That's what we're doing. Why? Because we want this facility to be as effective and useful for us as a church as possible. And so we're making changes. We want this facility, which is such a blessing from God, to be as useful in reaching the community as it possibly can be. We want it to be a tool for us. It's not the be-all and end-all, we just want it to be a functional facility that displays something of the goodness of God. But it's important to us that we get it right. Pray. Pray that God provides money so we can re-carpet this section. It's in, you know, we want it to display God's goodness. And in many ways, what I've shared here, there isn't much different about it. But when it comes to our midweek church life, we do want to bring a fresh focus, a fresh change to what we're doing with our small groups. So with this in mind, in the autumn term, we're going to pilot community groups. That word pilot is important that you you have that in your minds. Community groups are going to be different from what we're presently doing midweek in a number of ways. Let me uh, outline some of them. Firstly, they will have a clear mission focus. They will have a clear outreach focus. That, in a sense, is the reason that they will exist, is to reach a certain segment of the community, a certain type of person, or a certain way, uh, and reach them in a certain way. They will be larger than our present small groups, probably anything up to 50 adult members. So that's a step up from maybe 10, 15, 20 that small groups meeting in homes are at the moment. So they will be a bigger, bigger community. They will be led by not salaried people, they'll be led by people from the church family. It's an opportunity to grow in gifting and anointing and opportunity to lead. Community groups will bring the gospel to the lost in and the poor in diverse and creative ways. It's quite hard, in a sense, to explain, well, what are they going to look like? Well, it sort of depends on who we're trying to reach. If we were to reach students, you probably wouldn't decide to meet up here because there aren't any students around here. So you'd probably aim for the town centre and pick a time when students are out of bed. So no earlier than three in the afternoon, I imagine. But, but in a sense, the, the, the opportunities are limitless. They are as creative as you are creative. We hope that these mid-sized groups will complement Sunday mornings and facilitate growth numerically. We want to grow numerically. I want us as a church to grow numerically. I want us to get bigger. But I also believe that these groups will facilitate growth in us spiritually. Bible study is very important, but Bible study alone will not create maturity. Carrying weight, using gifts and talents that God has given us, as long with understanding the Bible and growing in our knowledge of Scripture, those are the things that grow us spiritually. They grow us in maturity. They grow us in character. These will provide fresh, new, creative ways to use the gifts that God has given to us. We're looking to release more of you into mission, the primary purpose of the church. And we're aware with busy lives, we need to raise God's mission further up the agenda, making space and time for us to creatively reach out. A book called Invading Secular Space that many of you will have read a few years ago says this. 
It's an observable reality that the world is constantly changed by committed minorities and not by apathetic majorities. It's an observable reality that the world is constantly changed by committed minorities and not by apathetic majorities. We're looking to send committed minorities into communities to see them transformed. We're looking to release gifting to reach those who do not yet know Christ. Habakkuk 2.14 For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We've got responsibility for Hastings, Bexhill, the surrounding villages and towns that they would know about Jesus. It's in our DNA. It's what we're about. As I'm saying this, there will be some of you here saying, great, when can we start? Let me start tomorrow. And there'll be others who'll be saying, don't like that. Oh, it's not I don't like it. I'm, I'm worried. I don't understand. And you've probably got about 15 questions already on how's it going to work and, and this. I've got a couple of weeks to unpack some of it. All I'd say is don't worry. I'm surprised partly at what I'm saying because I'm not gifted evangelistically. I'm probably a bit more pastory in type. But I know this is the right thing to do. I know this is the right emphasis for us to bring. And so if you're concerned or worried, are we going to go off on a skew-whiff thing? Nah. I don't think, I, don't think I, I could go that far, even if I wanted to. I don't think I'm wired that way. I'm too safe. But, actually, maybe I could. But we've got a mandate from God. God's given us something to do. Yes, make disciples of all nations, from all over Hastings and the surrounding towns. Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they would see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. God has got big plans for us and we can do it as we respond to him. We can affect this town. I was reading a book recently, and I will, I will close. Band, would you be right to come up, please? Reading a book recently about church planting in the Ukraine. So if any of you are thinking of church planting in the Ukraine, come and ask me. They said, if you're on one of their church, team, church planting teams, do you know what their first target is? 350 contacts each. They said, you've just got to let people know about Jesus. Just 350 contacts each. Before we do anything else... All of us, 350 contacts each. God, I don't like the sound of that. I'm sticking to the UK. It's provoking, isn't it? We need to be deliberate. We need to wait some of what we're doing to reaching out because God has called us to do it. We are a light on a hill. We are salt in this world. God has called us to go and make disciples. Let us stand. If I was asking us to do it in our own strength and with our own abilities, 
we wouldn't stand a chance. But I'm not. Because our great God has great plans for us and he's calling us to get involved with them. He's calling us, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I thank you for the immense privilege you're calling us, you're catching us up into to reach those who don't yet know you. Lord, not, not just with a response, but with totally transformed lives. Lord, I pray for fresh faith to rise in our hearts. I pray for excitement. I pray for those who are a little fearful or timid at the moment. Lord, I pray you would comfort them by your grace and your peace. Lord, I thank you. You are calling us to great plans with you. And because of that, Lord, we need to change some of the things that we're doing. Bring a fresh emphasis. Lord, I pray, would you be our vision? Lord, would you be our focus? Would you guide us on in all these things? We pray that in Jesus' name. I felt the best way to finish this morning was to sing a song about setting God as our vision and our focus. Why don't we sing it with gusto and with all of our being and make it a sort of prayer as well.